The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it had a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black Podcast. I am your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim Hude. Zim, say what's up. Hello, world. How do you guys and girls feel tonight? Coming off a thrilling victory last night uh, against the Steelers. Man, it's been been a crazy 24 hours, right? It's been a super crazy 24 hours. Uh, Definitely was smoking on that Juju pack last night, for sure. Uh, it was just like you said, bro. It was, I think we've been, or at least me personally, I think most of us have been kind of on a low vibration for the most part the past couple of weeks, right? It hasn't been, uh, it's been a while since the Titans game. You know, we had some things go down, but I think that this was the perfect thing to really lift our spirits uh, as far as who they nation from up out of where we came from, because we were just at a low. But the craziest thing was the fact that we went into a game with low expectations, didn't really see this as something like we kind of worried about this just being embarrassing and being something that would frustrate everyone. And then we get a surprise. Not only does Ryan Finley uh, and the Cincinnati Bengals, do they get a win in PBS? It's like almost, in a sense, a dominant win. Now, the score might not say that, but... This was like a totally different Bengals versus Steelers game than I think that I've ever seen. And I think I said that earlier. Like, I think in the Vontez years, we kind of got some of the bullying back. And it goes all the way back to Hans Ward hitting Keith Rivers uh, in the chair breaking his stuff. I think Huber got hit before. Like, it's always been this thing where the Steelers, are, in a sense, have tried to bully us. And we got some of that back with Vontez. But for the most part, They've kind of tried to bully us and like out toughed us and punched us in the mouth. And for a while, it was this mental thing where we could never get past them. And so, like, to me, I didn't have that renewed sense of a possibility of us like dominating the Steelers or being competitive with the Steelers until this Joe Burrow era. And when that was taken away with the injury, it was just like, man, this is going to be crazy. Like, the Steelers are 11 and two coming in. Like, you know, it. For me, it was like, wow, what could happen? And the fact that the Bengals became the bully 
in this game, like we became the bully. Like the Steelers look soft. Like they look the softest that I have ever seen them. Like that's why we call them the Steelers, but they were soft. Like we hit them like that Von Bell hit. That set the tone for the entire game. And the Bengals just became the bully. And like the Steelers, they just got punched in the mouth and they never did anything after that. And it just was like, all right, the planets are aligning. And I kind of said that during my stream. I'm like, it's a new, it's a new kind of feeling. Like, so everything that happened before the planets aligned yesterday is out the window. And I think that we saw that in that game. What were your takeaways from it? Before I get into my takeaways, let me ask you this. Do you think, and I, I had to think about this because my wife was asking me about, like, the Bengals and the so-called, like, for me, I don't even consider it a rivalry because we haven't won enough. That's right. me personally. That's, no, that's, right. my, that's my personal goal. But do right. you think, like, I absolutely wake up every day of my life, like, hating the Steelers. Like, I think I had a tweet or something like this two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I just like if somebody cuts me off on the road, I automatically assume they're a Steelers fan. Do yeah. you think that a Steelers fan, do they do you think they realize how much they've like hurt our fan base? Or do you think that they're so arrogant that they just think like, you know, no, like I they- think they know. I think they know. I've talked to a lot of them and interacted with a lot of them to know. Like they just they know. They know they they don't want to. It's like they know, but in two thousand, but like you know, our version of two thousand five versus their version of two thousand fifteen. You know, I mean, like all these two thousand five, two thousand fifteen, just those two are totally Mm -hmm. different. When I talk to a Pittsburgh fan, so it's like this, um, this like you know, like they're like, oh, you guys like blew a perfect, and I immediately go to Jeremy Hill and the fumble, and you know, like stuff like that. Uh, and then 2005, they like I don't think they think of that hit like it, it would like with with Kimo Van um whatever his name is Kimo Van Hoffen. <laughs> I never forget that name. Like like right right. So I don't think that they, I mean I don't know. So for me, it's just like a thing, you know, where we you come to a game like this, and no matter what, you know, it's just it's a big deal. And the Bengals could lose out every single game, and I think Gary Owen had a great uh, tweet or something. He said. Man, you could lose every game, but if you beat the Steelers, like, I'm good to go. Or, you know, like, that's our Super Bowl. And for me, it's not really that. Uh, but I thought l- the win last night just meant a little bit different because it, it just gave us some foundational blocks that I think can be used, like, moving forward. And I'll touch on a couple of different things, like, later on in the, in, in the, in the pod. But yeah. for me, when I would come on here and I'd be like, bro, we got to win, we got to win. I just people forget sometimes how important it is to just win some games, I think. And like uh, we will come on here and sometimes like and I understand wanting to get Penny. And mm-hmm. I remember you wrote me a message the other day and I didn't want to jinx the, the the message you wrote about Penny. You was like, man, it's just our luck, you know, like just right. go and take Penny. I would say just our luck. We put all our berries in one basket and we fall so enamored with Penny, and then something happens. God forbid something happens to him. And then we're, like, back at square one. That would be, like, a Bengals thing, like, to me. To me, like, my overall goal is, like, well, what's the one thing that we could control? Like, we could just go win some games and find out who is going to be here. And more than anything, I think we found some blueprint, like, plays in different ways to attack the aggression of the Steelers and some of the stuff I was hitting on earlier in the year, I was like, bro, you can get them to panic if you do this, 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 this. 
and it finally happened, and it was so crazy that it, it happened that way. So I'm very excited about, you know, like a Steelers win. But you'll find out, too, and we could go right into it because Pac-Man posted this on his on his Twitter. I mean, on his uh, Instagram, and I immediately posted it. If you guys don't know, this is New Stripe City on Twitter, Instagram. Make sure you follow him, especially on YouTube. I'm Zim Hude on just Twitter and Zim underscore Hude on Instagram. But I've been going crazy on Twitter the last couple of days. But one of the posts that I uh, – well, last 24 hours was Pac-Man saying immediately after Zach Taylor wins that game, he says, yeah, let's give him another year. And I thought I thought it would be a whole bunch of pushback or people saying, oh, no, nah, you're tripping, you're tripping. What, I'm going to ask you first. What is your immediate thoughts? Like, I know that that game is really big, right? But, right. What, you know, like, what is that enough for you to – so remember me, you, and Malik Wright were talking about this the other day. I said, you know right. what the Bengals are going to try to do. Right. They're going to try to pack his back with some other pieces. I think when I heard Pac-Man say that, I think it does resonate with Bengals fans. Because the one thing, there's only one thing that you can do to satisfy Bengals fans no matter what. And I think we have seen some people give hypotheticals where it's like, you can win two games in a season, and those two games are you beating the Steelers. People would really vote for, like, they'll take the sweep of the Steelers over, like, they'll take winning two games a whole season with having that be a condition that you sweep the Steelers. So I think when Zach did that, like, I think if I think from Mike Brown's mind, if it's the Browns, right, that's going to touch Mike Brown. The Browns, like, don't really hit the Bengals fans that much. Like, the losses to them don't hit us as hard as the Steelers ones do. It's been five years, five years since we beat the Steelers. They have beat us a total of, I don't know, what is that, 10 times, 10 or more times. And then you also think about 2015, how that game ended. Like, that in itself, just for the city of Cincinnati, goes leaps and bounds beyond anything that Zach has done in these first two seasons. So the fact that he was able to do that, the fact that he was able to do it on Monday night football, which is another huge hurdle that we've always had. We never show up in primetime. The Steelers and primetime, that makes it major. And then you talk about like just Bengals fans being able to talk shit to like Steelers fans and like, to beat this Steelers team, which is 11 and three now, and we have won one of those games against them with Ryan Finley. Like, we can always have that Colin Carr. Like, you lost to Ryan Finley. Ryan Finley threw for 80 yards. You had him out here looking like the vanilla Vic. Like, he got off on you. Like, that's worse than Tebow. That's worse than the Tebow. So, yes, that's ammo and everything. I get why Pac Man would say that. Uh, but I think Pac Man is also being real about how Mike Brown thinks. How me and you think and how some of our Bengals fans think, we're like, yeah, that's cool, but we got to move on from Zach. The way that Mike Brown thinks, and I don't want to speak for him, but we've seen this with Marvin Lewis, is whenever you have a statement game, like Andy Dalton against the Ravens, right? Like before that happened, everybody was like, Marvin Lewis is going, Andy Dalton's probably going. They have that situation happen where they beat a team that's a playoff team. I think what Mike Brown is going to say is, and unfortunately, I think he's going to say, all right, there were so many games that we had that should have been wins, you know, five or let's just say four games. Let's just give them four, right? 
So that then we're at seven wins. And then he's probably like, oh, this team could be seven and nine or whatever. That's how he thinks. I don't agree with it. I think Zach, I think we need to move on from Zach. Um, but I can see why Bengals fans would be like, okay, he at least deserves one last year. And I think that they think that overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly. on on Twitter, like it, go to it, like I posted this Pac-Man uh, tweet on there where he's going on a rant and he laughs at the end because he knows it's so funny because the last two three weeks he's the driver of this right. fire Zach train. He's right. part of the reason why I started kind of like paying attention a lot more because Pac-Man mm-hmm. be he, everybody be like, man, Pac-Man just high on it. But nah. Pac-Man be talking about a lot of stuff, talking about, like, the formation or how he didn't like how Geno was lined up over center early in the year. He right. was on some of the Dunlap stuff early in the year. So if you really pay attention to him, he really be spitting. Right. But for him to say that, I just like, man, does that, you know, and I posted, a lot of people said, yeah, give him one more year. A couple people said two. For me, I'm going to just Ooh, let wow. y'all, Ugh, I'm going to let y'all know this right now. My goal is never – like I said, like, and I led with, I said, Steelers aren't a rival to me because we haven't beat them enough. In right. fact, I want to beat them or whatever, but I'm so tunnel vision on a ring. I really don't care if I beat the Steelers. Like, I'm, I'm, I, I understand I'm in the minority, like, in that whole thing. I said that one time in the offseason, people killed me. Like, I don't care if I beat them. Like, I, if I go to playoffs and they're not there, who cares? You know right. what I'm saying? Like, I just want a ring. I want to be able to say that I was living breathing i could dance i could jump and run when the when the when the when the float went down main street like i don't want to be old and crusty talking about you know what i'm saying like you know like that's all i think about and i don't really care about the scissors if we beat them cool if y'all if y'all and you talk about shit talking one thing that y'all haven't discovered about me personally is i am probably the world's greatest shit talker on earth if you give me the opportunity the people in my fantasy league hate me like they, they, but I've never had that opportunity since we've been doing this stuff because right. we've been losing, you know. Right. But if I can get in a situation where I win, like it's going to be amazing. Like the world is going to be on fire when me and you get a hold of all of the fan base and we're winning. And right. still, as if we could knock them down in in in, in the um in, in in the in the path of that, so be it. But. I don't I know. I, I, it's, I it's, it's part of it. It's like you have to go through the Steelers to go with it. But right. I, I don't think like watching no, them. I feel you. I feel watch, you. Watching I them kind of last night let me know what I've been saying. Like at some point they have to lose mm-hmm. to go get the quarterback that like they could plug and play like a Jameis Winston, plug mm-hmm. and play a Cam or whatever. But at some point they have to lose to go get their version of a Joe Burrow one of these years. Like they. Like, I just don't see them going – like, they're not a big threat to me like that. The threat is their history, not their future right. to me. No, I mean, I, I definitely get what you're saying because I think sometimes – I think – and I always tell the story. I always talk about my guy that was the Eagles fan, and he always said that the the uh, standards in Cincinnati are, from a fan base perspective, he felt like were low. Because it's like we would be satisfied with just making the playoffs. Whereas in Philadelphia, they fire Andy Reid. The same Andy Reid right now that has won a Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs. They 13-1. and Like, they would go to the NFC Championship all the time. And when he couldn't get the job done, they marched and stuff like that to get rid of him. And I understand that. And I get it. I think a lot of people right now are prisoners of the moment, which I don't blame them for being. 
But I still, when I had the post-game show afterwards, I did have some Bengals fans that were logical, like, all right, we still need to get rid of Zach or whatever it is. But I get exactly what you're saying. Um, we can't just solely focus on the Steelers, right? There's other teams in this division that are also good. And the Steelers right now, we may have just witnessed possibly the end of them. Like you're talking about Ben Roethlisberger. He's old man Ben at this point. That arm doesn't look like it has anything left. This is what we've been waiting for. Why put all of your eggs in that basket when you got a guy like Lamar Jackson that's younger than Joe Burrow? You got Baker Mayfield and the Browns with them putting together something there. So we can't just put all our eggs in that Steelers basket. And when you really look at the Steelers, we always target them, right? We always look at them as that's who we want to go through, this and that. The Steelers haven't done anything in like a whole decade. Like when you really take and look up under the hood, and I think sometimes Bengals fans will get caught up. I think from a divisional standpoint, though. No, I'm just saying in general, like they haven't beat anybody. They've lost to some bad teams. Like you look at the Tim Tebow thing in the playoffs, like the Steelers haven't been close to a championship. They have not been close to a champion. Like when you talk about teams that are competing, like the Patriots look at the Steelers, how the Steelers look at us. It's like y'all can't even beat us. Like we we mop the floor with y'all. Like the Steelers really are pretenders. And they I, I, have I, I, I feel like the Ravens have always been a bigger threat to me. Oh, the Ravens are like like Ravens... to me, like to me. Right. And, and I and but I just hate the Steelers just because I hate mm-hmm. what like what they did to what our past. What they, and, and what they did to our past, like 2005, 2015, primarily for young Bengals. Before then, I, I probably wouldn't know too much about like anything. It's the history. It's but, the history. But, and, but you know, but but right. it's not. It's not what they did. It's what we could have did. That's why I hate them. Like you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, if, if I, you, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. They, but, they tore up his leg, and that was a right. part of it. But they just stopped right. me from doing what I had to do. Like last yeah. night, they're gonna try to tell me about all these injuries and stuff that they have when they got like two or three guys injured or whatever. And right. it's just like this thing that I just hate about the stigma behind like everything that comes with the Steelers and right. like the whole time I was talking about on the broadcast, like we're we're we've got twelve guys on IR, like starting like talent, you know, like our our right. starting running back is at the stadium cheering the loudest out of everybody, or you know, like right. you know, it's the, it's the Steelers, like the Steelers. The Steelers pack hits different. Like, like you said, you saw Joe Mixon get in his car and turn up playing Corvette. Corvette. Did you see him at the stadium? Like, Did you see him at the stadium? I didn't see him at the stadium. I hey, bro, go to my. T- <laughs> He's at the stadium telling people like, "Get your asses out of here!" Like, Steelers fans and everything, bro. It's that's is, how it is. Like, bro, he, he, oh, oh. I, I mean, I, I, when I saw it, I said it's, it reminded me of every game I've ever been at. The last time that we beat them, it's exactly verbatim, word for word, what I said to everybody that was sitting near me. I was like, "He's one of us." And it was a yeah. beautiful thing. But yeah. I just say that to say, like, I don't think the Steelers understand how much we hate them. But at the end of the day, I want Bengals to really lock in on what it would take to go win. And I think part of it is going to win your division. And to win right. your division, we learned a couple of different things last night. You must have a pass rush. You must have a pass rush. And it has to get mm-hmm. home like Carl Lawson did and dominate a football game. Can mm-hmm. you imagine – if one more elite uh, pass rusher was on the opposite side of him, not to take away from Sam Hubbard, who had a very, very good game, who is now mm-hmm. playing healthy, but imagine like someone with D- DJ Reader on the inside, and then someone 
of a Dunlap-like talent at a younger age at, on the other side. Like, Carl Lawson is running through Villanueva and then getting running through the chip blocks all game. You wouldn't be able to do that with another elite, uh, you know, pass rusher on the other side. That was the right. one glaring thing. And then, right. and, and the people there in the comments that are talking about the Steelers, like, well, Ben's not going anywhere. Well, I tell you what, he's not going anywhere in the pocket like he used to either. Because the, what I saw from him last night is just, it's just the changing of the guards or the changing of he has to change his game. He's still mm-hmm. gonna be able to sling it. He's still gonna be able to get his confidence back in most games, and he's probably never gonna play that bad ever again. But if you put pressure on him. He is at an age right now where he cannot sustain that type of pressure. And, and think about all the money and everything that they put behind that offensive line. And that offensive line did not, could not do anything with Carl Lawson last night. Mm-hmm. And there's so many lessons that can be learned from last night, like on how to attack the division. When we talk about firing Zach Taylor, or at least when I talk about firing Zach Taylor, it's mainly primarily on the mismanagement of the franchise quarterback for one. Number two is the actual record. Number three is the communication that was the lack or the lack thereof to all the players throughout the last two years and all the players that can't stand his guts. Right. Him winning one game doesn't change that. But one thing that he did was run the football. Like I said, you got to do early. Like when loser draw that game last night, they made a conscious effort the same way that they should have did when Joe Burrow was there. Mm-hmm. You have to try to run the football. And right. people that say, well, they can't run the football, stupid. People, that, Steelers fans last night that said, man, we can't run the football. What did they do? They changed it up, went into a two-I two formation thing when they came back in the second half and they started, started running the football. Because at some point, it's a mental thing, and you have to be able to run it. And if you can't do it, then take your L and walk, go away and say, look, we kept it close. We, we compressed their, their amount of time that they had on the clock. And we tried to manage the game. That was our game plan. And, and I could lose with that. But you right. cannot lose going to them, playing into their strengths, going back, dropping back 50 times, right? That, mm-hmm. That's their number one strength. And in their secondary is the second strength. So what do they do? The, the Bengals throw, what, 13, 15 times for 89 yards? It doesn't matter when you have a good run game or a run game that, that actually eats. Say that they weren't getting any yards off of that. That game probably would have been really, really close and like tied up just off the sheer turnovers. But you're still right. in, but you're still in the game, even if you don't run the football effectively in that game. And that's right. the one thing that Zach Taylor will have to take away from this game and say, like every single game, I can never put uh, Joe Burrow in a, in a position like that ever again. And it's just a math equation. If I drop back fifty times, JJ Watt, oh, I said JJ. T.J. Watt is going to get to me at least 12 out of those 50 times. But if I right. only drop back 10 times, he might can mm-hmm. only get to me twice. It's simple. And, and, it's, and that's the formula when you're going to – if you throw the ball, you're playing into every single strength that they have with Minka Fitzpatrick getting around and, and roaming around to the areas on the field to get to these different players. But Tyler Boyd going out was not a good thing, but in itself it made them say, well – that's one last person that we can throw the football to, and we just gotta run it, and we gotta do some all. We gotta go. We gotta go read option. We gotta go misdirection. I love the wrinkle that Zach put in last night, and I think it's a play that's going to be used for years to come against the Steelers. Jet sweep motion coming from right or left hand side. Read option, forcing the one linebacker on the end to make a decision. And now it was uh, what's the kid Hightower or something last night? Highsmith. 
High Smith. High Smith. So they're going to talk about how Bush wasn't there, whatever. I don't care if Bush is there, whoever's there. That Sorry, one guy, that one guy's got to make a decision. And that's going to be one of the, the like the same way they run rub routes to us every time in the red zone. And mm-hmm. we actually defended it last night. There's going to be two or three plays that I, and that's one of them that they have to run every single time they play the Steelers. But from a skim, a schematic game plan, I really, really love the fact that they did some things that they hadn't done before. And they said, win, lose, or draw, we got to run the football. Yeah, it's the AFC North. I said this weeks ago. You can't when when Zach Taylor abandoned a run. I said that you cannot not commit to running the ball in the AFC North because the AFC North, the way that you win in this division is in the trenches. When you got somebody like a Miles Garrett, when you got someone like a TJ Watt, a Bud Dupree, uh, Stephon Tewitt, and stuff like that, you can't drop back and pass because that plays into their hands. That's one of the Steelers. They're one of the best pass rushing teams in the NFL. Now, it's, it's hard to say that now because they did lose Bud Dupree, but they still had T.J. Watt. They still have Tua. They still have Cam Hayward. Right. And so how do you uh, how do you attack that? Like Zim said and like Zach Taylor showed, you run at it. You have to because if you're dropping back with Ryan Finley all of those times, you're just going to open him up to hits. You're just going to allow them to pretty much create turnovers and stuff like that based off of the pressure. So the way that they really combated that – was running the ball, and then you also saw guys getting physical at the line of scrimmage. I think a lot of what was really telling was when the offensive line, I think it was somewhere Ryan Finley had to do a QB sneak or something like that. Like that's what it takes for you to ground and pound, convert that, and just make it a clock game. At that point, once you can get the clock on your side, that's all you really have to do in the AFC North is come out and hit people, be physical, uh, be right up there, and do what you have to do to get out of here with a win. So I think, like you said, Carl Lawson was huge in that game because – Player of the game. We did it. Player of the game. Who had a, who had a bigger impact than Carl Lawson? That's the player of the game. Uh, I might say Von Bell, but that's only because of the hit, just because of the momentum. Nah. I think if you're <laughs> talking about the full game, it's obviously Carl Lawson. He left Carl his stamp on that game. But I think, like, football is about momentum too. And when he did that – it set the tone for, like, the rest of the game. That's the play of the game. Yeah, that's the play of the game. So, like, for me, Carl Lawson, um, seeing him do that, he clearly deserves to get paid. Bengals, if you're listening to this, pay this man. There's no reason not to. But that's what Carl Lawson can do. That's what a guy in the AFC North can do. That's what Yannick does. That's what Carl does. That's what Miles does. And you need one of those guys in this division if you plan on doing that. Uh, so I think, like you said, uh, in the trenches, if they can get that right, regardless of who you go against, because every front in this division is good, every single one of them. There's no slouches. There's there's no Tennessee Titans in this division when it comes to that defensive line. So I think that's where you win it. And then if you can get the better quarterback, that can also give you an advantage, right? That's how Lamar Jackson was able to come in, take this division over. They ran the ball. They had Lamar, which was a wrinkle that was different from the AFC North quarterbacks that we're used to seeing. And they used some of that with Finley. Like, Finley's not a running quarterback. But Zach was like, you know what? I'm going to use that read option as something to throw them off. Because if I'm Pittsburgh's defensive coordinator, I'm not thinking. The last thing I'm thinking is that you're going to run read option with Ryan Finley. Right. That's gonna run at like five miles per hour. Like nobody saw that coming, and so that was that was chess, and that's what we needed to see from Zach in terms of that coaching, and that's what you have to do. I never would have believed that I would ever see the day that Zach Taylor would out coach Mike Tomlin. 
he outcoached Mike Tomlin in that game. Luana Rumu, we need to give him some credit too. What they did defensively in this game really helped the offense out. I don't if the defense doesn't play like they did last oh. night, I don't think we're in this game. This is one thing I think as we're Bengals fans too, we're like looking at like a lot of people saying 27 points. Like I would have never thought they put 27. Like, let's be honest, the three turnovers plus the three that probably Ben should have gave us in addition to that right. were like 90% of the time you're just going to win that game. But history right. has told us that 90% of the time we lose that game even when they turn the ball over. That's that's the Steelers calling card. If you make a mistake, they're going to capitalize on it, and they're going to do it in a big play, and they're going to do it a lot of the times more than not on defense. Right. And we did exactly what they, what they would do to us. The 10 deflections last night, I don't think I've ever seen that many deflections on a on a Ben Roethlisberger game, Shout out to Darius Phillips too. I, he didn't get a, enough. Strap, strap up, bro. Like, like, like. Let me tell. Let me tell people this. Darius Phillips or cornerbacks in general are not perfect, and a lot of fans. And this happened to Dre, and I, and I know I'm, I'm Dre biased or whatever, but this happens a lot. Cornerback and offensive line are two of the most unforgiving positions. They're the most glaring when something goes wrong and when everything goes right, you don't even notice them. If you miss one bad play, one DPI, anything like that, then everybody is, like, texting me, tweeting me, William Jackson, get him out of here. Darius Phillips, like, like the, the the pass interference call in the back of the end zone was weak, but cool. I want to say that's pass interference, cool, like, whatever. But what he did to not panic in some of those situations when the ball is in the air to turn your head around – the last Claypool uh, breakup on the sideline and then the one to, to end the game, not to panic, which a lot of corners have done, it, or, or they do in the league every week, and they do it and they give it to the Steelers every week. For him to play like that, it gives me so much confidence in him moving forward as the number three. They have to go get Trey Wayne's healthy, or they better go get a corner early in this draft at some point. But with that said, we know – that if, if anybody goes down, our secondary is now like a thing of strength. The more reps that Darius Phillips gets, the more reps that Mackenzie Alexander. Now, McKenzie. We're, now, now we're looking McKenzie. at now. We're, and, and then and then I'm talking about pass rush early. Do you know what pass rush would do to Jesse Bates' career? Like oh, he, would, he, it it would make him like. We have more interceptions. It it would be a lot more three and outs. It would be a lot more everything. Wow. It makes everybody's job so much different. The number one thing, this is why edge rushers are so coveted, and this is why they get paid so much. They disrupt a football game more than any other position on the field. You can have lockdown, lockdown, lockdown all across the board, but if you don't have a pass rush, which failed us, and I'm going to remind you all every pod, if you ever have, if you have the chance to go back and watch a game, the Colts game, the Browns game, and the Eagles game. Those three games were lost solely on pass rush. You got a 21-point lead, unable to put no pass rush on Phillip Rivers. He comes back, throws off a beautiful platform, makes him look like Joe Montana, goes straight through the game, wins it out. Zach gets out, coach. We lose the game. But if you get a pass rush, a lot of these guys that y'all think aren't elite, like a William Jackson, give them a pass rush. I promise you. Lawson went crazy in the like Eagles Stephon, game. Like, Lawson uh, did go crazy in the Eagles game, but that's because they had old Jason Peters there. He murdered Jason Peters in that game. He did. But he did. Right. But, but he was non-existent though when it got um, when we got down to the end of that game and on that last drive where uh, Wentz scrambled and then got right. the, uh, got the that drive or whatever. No pass yeah. rushing whatsoever. And then parts in that game in the third quarter. 
completely not untouched. But right. pass rush is like the number one thing. Like if you go watch the Denver or the Panthers Super Bowl, I mean Denver versus Panthers, pass rush killed them. Von like, Miller. But in order for you to get the Von Miller or the Chubb, the only thing is we gotta use that. We gotta use that number three if you want one on that level. So that's what brings us to our next topic. Here we go. So Penny, uh, so Penny Sewell. Who um who was a young Hude or young Bengals uh when he played for Boys and Girls Club. Right. Um, he uh one of my guys that I mess with really tough on Instagram, Bengals.central, tagged him on a post. Yeah. And Panay Suel said, Yeah, Hude, like and, and and said, Yeah, appreciate the love and everything like that, wrote that up. So we already know Panay Suel. The fact that he even knows who they like, nobody even told him to say who they. The fact that he even knows that means he knows or he has some type of connection to the Bengals. I'm reading way into it. Could be Anthony Munoz. I don't know. I, but but I don't that's know gotta, if they know like, each other or anything. Young, like young Bengals player. Like remember T Higgins when they told him uh, who they on the first Zoom call he had. He was like, okay, all right, see y'all later. He didn't. Nah, even, T Higgins is a Bengals fan. No, no, he no, no, grew up a Bengals fan. Wasn't that? Wasn't that? Who was that at the end of that? Who was it? Remember when we went to the rookie uh, signing? Oh, I, for, I and forget. Somebody, and they said who they at the end of the car, and the guy didn't even know what he was talking about. Not, was not, it, that, not that it's a big thing. Was it Davis Gaither or not? Nah? It might have been. But the fact that Panay Suel already knows that, and he already tweeted that, or oh, or, or, or that that's, that's very encouraging. The right. other part of this is that now, Ace, uh, I, I messaged you this. This is a mm-hmm. guy that I know that they are going to pump up so crazy, but he just right. had a game. Zach Wilson, the coach, I mean, the, the quarterback from BI, yeah. BYU, BYU is going to yep. shoot up boards. And teams don't – they don't really trade up for tackles or guards or anything like that generally, unless it's like a Penesuel. But every new coach or every coach needs their guy at quarterback. And so people thinking that Sam Darnold is just going to be the guy for the next person to go down in flames with, I have a hard time believing that. I really believe that they're going to still get a quarterback. But I do believe that you're going to see a lot of reports of them getting – them wanting Panay try to entice the Bengals to go get him. And that's the part where now I want to know, now that we're a couple weeks off of the great debate that we had or whatever – has anything changed in your mind that make you think that Panay Suel wouldn't be the slam dunk pick? Or have you been talked out of or or has anyone talked to you about possibly trading out of the pick? I showed you a screenshot earlier. Uh, the expert from CBS, I think, had the Bengals picking Kyle Pitts, number three, tight end uh, from Florida, who is – like the Evan Ingram of college football. Right oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've loved Pitts, and I think in that one they had Panay going number two, which is what my fear was, right? Um, if both of those are, those guys are on the board, I want Panay. The reason that I want him is that he's got that nasty in him that you need to have from the offensive line in the NFL. Like, he'll come out and go to the second level. Like, when I watch, like, um, the Browns or whatever. When I rewatched that game against us, the first one, not the second one, the first one, it's like crazy how they like came off of the line and were hitting our linebackers and stuff in the mouth. And I saw that with him. Like he's got that nastiness. So I would take him. If not, though, like let's say, for instance, that scenario plays out like you said, he's taken at number two. Would I take Pitts at number three? Yeah, I would. Because I feel like he's a tight end that's super dynamic and he's someone that can eventually become 
maybe even day one, the best tight end in the division. And I think you, when you, you look come at a it, long way. You come no, a long no, no, way. No, 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 no. When we, got, when big, we had that, that debate two weeks, when we, two weeks ago, you no, were no, no, not no, even two weeks ago. I not. said tight end. I said I wouldn't do receiver, but I said I would, I would go with a tight no, end. You said you want offensive uh, line. I, would, all I wanted day. him. I Anybody in here? He's, I know no. you want him. I know you want him. But at the number three spot. Originally, when we had the first conversation, I said wide receiver isn't high priority. I take a tight end before receiver, and yeah, we were yeah. talking about the second round. I want Pitts. I would take Pitts. Don't get me wrong. I would take him, but I think he adds another dimension to this team. But this is the thing. Yes, he's a tight end. I want offensive line, right? Tight ends block and catch, so he can also be a guy that can help in the blocking game and also be a weapon. And I think tight ends now are more of a mismatch in a sense than wide receivers. Not to say that there aren't mismatches at the wide receiver position, but when you got a Travis Kelsey or when you have um, your man from the 49ers, a George Kittle, that's different. Like, and, and only Travis thing, Kelsey has a thousand – he's leading the league in receiving as a tight end. The like, only that's thing crazy. that's crazy to me, though, I, I can't get on board with taking – in all those scenarios that we were talking about – Right. I was never talking about a wide receiver at number three, and I never was right. talking about like I, I just said I would take one right. late first, or if it fell into second, right. like T. Higgins or whatever. Right. I couldn't get behind drafting Pitts at three because mm-hmm. tight end is a position of a learning curve, and I can imagine him year one doing really well, but right. I can imagine him actually negatively maybe missing out on a lot of assignments. There's a big learning curve and only right. like crazy, right. crazy smart ones. Like I don't know enough about them to say, yeah, that's the number three pick. I think but you could trade, I think you could trade down and get out of that pick and still get picks. That's that's true. But here's the other thing. Whenever someone is pass rushing you or sending the blitz like they did against the Bengals, the first read is the tight end. Nobody's scared of Drew Sample. Nobody can just it's send not going, it's nobody don't block like that. I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. If they do blitz, right, and Pitt goes out for a route, it's wide open. Like, if you blitz, you can't blitz your linebackers and send the house like they've been doing to us with other things without him being there. They're doing that because nobody's scared of Drew Sample. Like, it's it's all good if he's there. But that's another thing that he could do in that area that would help this offense is, all right, come on and send the blitz. Go ahead. I'm going to hit you every time over your head, every time with Joe Burrow right to Pitts. Now, if he's at number three and you don't feel like he should be picked in that spot, because let's say he goes out, he runs a bad 40 or something like that. Then, yeah, you move back and you can still take Pitts or you can take Unless he ran a 4-3 or 4-4 at a tight end position, I can't take a tight end at number three. I can't. I just don't think, I just think that I can finesse and get myself out of that and still probably get Pitts around the nine. 10 right. spots, something like that, and then and get another pick like in the second round or something right. like that. I really feel like that that would be like the, the play for me. The the motive is still the same. I still mm-hmm. want a high-end guard. Right. Spain played his ass off last night, was very highly graded. I know you were kind of like still reviewing Spain. Yeah, yep. but, Quentin, but Quentin Spain is a guy that you talk about nasty, you talk about Ben. At some point in his career, he was one of the top guards in the NFL. Uh, with, with the situation I had with him with, with Buffalo and everything, like there's a lot of stuff that's gone along with it. I think right. that's a steal of a guy that's ready to go ahead and lock in. And I think that's your mm-hmm. other guard. Xavier Sulafilo is probably out. Uh, right. You, you, we already had your center. So mm-hmm. now when we talk about like, so keep in mind, my priority is still the line. 
You got to mm-hmm. go get the guard or you got to go get the tackle. And if you do that, then to me, Panay Sewell is – So you would take that – Like I seen, Panay, I, seen a, I seen enough last if, night just to Panay say Panay that I don't gone, need to – Okay. So if Panay is gone, you're taking another dude there? Like, what if it's a reach, though? Like, what if the next no, 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 no. That's what I'm going to be taking no, no, at hell no. three. Hell no. Like, I like the guy Etchenberg, but I'm seeing <laughs> different things that say he might go down to the end of the first. That's the Notre Dame dude that ain't allowed to sack in, like, right. two years. Right. And then I like Leatherwood from Alabama. Those are the two other tackles that I really, really like. But the problem is, excuse me, from mm. what I seen last night and just what I know from Joe Burrow. Right. And I preach this a lot on my live stream is that a lot of fans do this every year. They get so enamored with one position that they say, I need all of that. I just need all of that. I need all of that. And I'm not like that. And last night proved that to me that Mm -hmm. that line is not good enough to consistently 10 times out of 10, we probably beat Pittsburgh two out of those 10 times with that line. Right. I'm smart enough to know that, but I'm also smart enough to know I just want a game with my backups to the line, and there's a way to out-scheme it. And Finley had, even on the first couple of drives, he had running lanes. He could have ran out. He had different things he could have did. I'm not so bad on this line that I feel like I have to exhaust everything on the line. And last night proved it, and Spain's there. And what I'm saying is if they went and got like a Trent Williams-like tackle or something like that, I'm getting out the pick. I'm getting out of the number three pick. I've convinced myself, like, I need to get more talent and I need because with this this team with all those injuries and I'm watching all these guys on IR tweet last night, Mixon, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow, all these guys just tweeting. You CJ Uzama, I said, you know what we need? I need backups to the backups, and I need depth, and I need bodies, and I need players that's ready that all play like this. If they mm-hmm. all play like this, and I got bodies, and I got all these different things in the position, like talk about the game from Jermaine Pratt. Like, you, you don't even have to go to the linebacker. You don't have to drive one linebacker that's up A lot of here. people are talking about uh, Bro, he, Parsons. You would, oh, yeah. would you say Parsons? I haven't seen enough. I haven't gone, Wait, I, I haven't gone that far, and far. As far as the draft goes, I've only looked at highlights from wide receiver. Kyle mm-hmm. Pitts, was, I think like a month ago, I was like, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. Uh, him, and then looking at like different tackles and stuff. I don't know about that, but I would – you know how I said a couple weeks ago, I said, you have to keep the board wide open. If Pratt's mm-hmm. playing like that and Logan Wilson is who I think he is and, mm-hmm. and King Davis gave it in the scheme is what I think it is and you're going to be in nickel half the time, I'm totally ignoring the linebacker position in the draft. So and I, here's, here's the thing. Here's the dilemma. We talked about best player available, right? This right now is currently what CBS is, is saying the top prospects are. So this joint right here. This is it. They got Trevor Lawrence. They got Panay. Michael Parsons is the third. So say, for instance, you don't get any trade offers for number three. People are like, nah, I don't want any any of those quarterbacks. Who do you take? Who do you – do you take Chase? Do you take Jamar Chase? Hold on. Let me blow this up. Okay, there we go. There we go. There we go. So Zach Wilson – see, quarterback, though, like, bro, like Zach Wilson just had a game. If people are listening to this right now, he just threw for three or four touchdowns, 315. Like, he's going to run up this board. Justin Fields is going to be up there, too. Teams are going to want to trade with us. But See, because yeah, somebody told you're, me, you're right. You're right. Somebody it, told me Michael Parsons. Somebody was like, if we can't get Panay, I'd take Michael Parsons. Nah, but like, no. linebacker, no. linebacker isn't really a need. But with this, this scheme and everything, now it, 
I mean, I could be talked into it. Let me chill. Let me chill. I could be talked into it, but watching mm-hmm. Pratt play like that, and I and I know what no, I'm I, with you. I like Pratt, and, and, and then I know what I got in Logan Wilson, and I know what I got in the King Davis Gaither, and I know I got a veteran leader with Bynes in the run support. Like, what am I doing? At, like, like that's a like that's top fifteen, top maybe top ten but linebacker. Go best player available, Micah. Micah. Right. Michael just, might be that guy. I just, I, think that, I just think that linebacker in 2020, 2021 is the most is the least impactful. The least. I'm wishing it's the I'm least impactful that. position in all of football. It's so different. Linebacker and quarterback are the two unicorns in this whole BPA thing. It doesn't right. matter what a quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, you better go get one. It ain't you no can BPA. Have whoever had linebacker, like not it, to diminish what they do. And if Pratt or y'all are listening, we're not diminishing that at all. But, where's where's certain uh, okay certain that's so that's when this first came, I was like, I was like, like subconsciously when this first became a possibility when i thought of it i was like oh i'm going certain but he's falling down i remember looking a while ago certain was in the top five right. and I, my mind instantly went there all right if i can't get penne i'm it's, going certain but I he's like, falling man, behind another corner i mean i think one thing that you said in a, a, a past uh pod is that you got to go get your guy, right? If Pitts is the guy that I think he is, I just I, I would love to get out of that spot and go get. But something. I think it's I think it's tough because like look, what if what if we get in that situation and Joe Burrow calls Mike Brown and he's like I want Jamar Chase. Oh, then listen to you Joe. Take him. You yeah, just Joe, what Joe until, until they get a new they get a real GM in this book. Joe Burrow is your GM. Yeah, <laughs> if Joe Burrow right. says I can win with Jamar Chase, don't worry about it. We're gonna do this in free agency. You listen to Joe. I, I like shit. Gregory Rousseau, and I've heard a lot of people out of any edge rusher that I heard, everybody talks about him, but he's 14. You can't take him at number three. Yeah, but you know, this is going to change a lot, too. And then you know how, like, 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 we ain't going to name no names, but think about all the people that was on the Denzel Mims train. You know, like, remember, remember his name flew up the board? And remember yeah. Patrick Queen name was flying up the board, too. And every Bengal, so every, every, every Bengal player, like, and I kept on saying that the linebacker from – I don't know how he's even been doing. The linebacker from Texas Tech, when I watched his highlights, I think his name was like Woods or something like that. Jordan mm-hmm. something. Somebody in the comments tell me. I need to go look at him this year. But him and a, K, a King Davis Gaither and then, and then remember Gay, those were the right. three that I was like, nah, I'd rather have them than Patrick Queen. See, and, what's scaring me is, like you said, I ain't mean to cut you off. My bad, bro. Nah, but – but um. What scared me is when I first heard about this draft, they talked about, oh, it's going to be so many linemen that go in the first and all of that. Like, it's stacked. And now I'm looking at it like the more and more I look, the more and more they put Panay in, like, a league of his own. And then the next guy that you see down here isn't until Wyatt Davis at Ohio State. I could have swore a month ago it wasn't like that. So what has changed for this to, like, look like how it is? And like you said, it's going to be a – going to got to go through the senior bowl. Yeah. It's gonna be a weird season. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, got, Zach, Zach Wilson's name is going to shoot up the board because the pros, pro, sure. the pros, pros that really, really talk about quarterback play, like right. they're looking at him like in the in the Zach. I mean, in the in the Carson Wentz type talent level, like one of those guys that's a little bit under the radar for the average common football watcher. Not a big name right. powerhouse school, but is going to get up there and he throws he throws a beautiful ball. Like, it's so different. When I watch Justin Fields, I don't sit there and say, I love the way he throws a football. I love the way he gets out of situations. But right. to me, he's he's no different than Jalen Hurts. It's like, 
He'll be really good for a while, I'm sure. But can he sustain it in the NFL? And that's it's a, a hard weird, to do. It's a weird season, bro, because you got all of these players like Panay, for instance, Jamar Chase. They both opted out. Like, they didn't right. play this college season. So you got those guys that didn't play, and it's like – not to say that you hold anything against them, but let's just say, for instance, with Justin Herbert, right? 2019, if Justin Herbert comes out, he's the number one prospect. Mm-hmm. Like, Tyler happened and all of that, but most people said it was Herbert, right? right. He goes into 2020 as the number one prospect. Then right. Joe Burrow happens. Right. Yeah. Then Joe Burrow happens. Tua happens. Next thing you know, he's the number three prospect. We haven't seen the season from that's the crazy or Panay. That's the the other thing. That's the other crazy thing about Panay that I caution fans is like, yes, he absolutely is a monster, and I think that's a slam dunk. I think he's just as much as a slam dunk pick as Joe Burrow is. But the one thing that I just can't wrap my mind around is like, okay, what if something happens to this one guy? We're in the same spot if we don't do anything. That's the, it, it's almost, I get exactly what you're saying, bro. We're in the but same spot. Also, we might be in a worse the opposite spot. too, because like, think about Jonah and stuff, right? Billy Price. They all had to play that season. They got hurt when they was in college. Right. So now it's like, you know that he's 100% clearly like healthy, but could it be that since he hasn't been playing, he might, it, bro. I, I just don't, don't, I just don't, I don't, I, 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 I something in my spirit. When people get so 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 like, uh, unless we're talking about like Drake, because he's just oh like this like, 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 like when when everybody is just like this is the guy. Something right. in my so I always have a little bit of like hold on, let me step. You back gotta more. you gotta hold back now. Like, like, let, 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 let me let me assess the whole situation because right. it seems a little too good to be true. Joe Burrow is right. a little bit different for me because I started like I started watching LSU games like in replay. Right. And I started watching like stuff he was doing off the field and everything like that. I can't even do that with Panay because I don't. I can't even watch him play a game. You know, right. like Jamar Chase. I'll take him. I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you that. when I watch Jamar Chase. You know who he reminds me of? DJ Moore from Carolina. He he okay. reminds every single thing about him. And if he ends up being DJ Moore, yeah, I'll take him at number three because DJ Moore right. to me is 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 a dog, and he just he just doesn't play with Patrick Mahomes. That's the only difference. You know what I mean? So. If that's the case, then yeah, I could get behind it. But mm-hmm. as we learn, and I and I learned from my mistake with John Ross before, sometimes, you know, like there are other things that might be a little bit more important to your team at that given moment. Mm-hmm. And I just think that Jamar Chase, you made a really good argument to say that wide receiver isn't the highest, highest need. Like offensive line is the highest need. And if they fail to do something in free agents, uh, free agency to yeah, convince me. Right. I will totally be against the Jamar Chase pick as much as I love Jamar Chase. Right. They have to co- they have to marry the two and do something in free agency to, to make me warrant like the thing. Because the other side of it is like Jonah, a lot of people don't talk about this. He got beat a couple he got a, he got beat a couple times this year really, really right. bad on mm-hmm. by some mediocre pass rushers a lot of times in some games this year. And he didn't grade that great throughout the year. Like right. through most of the year. Pretty pretty mid mid grade whatever, but there are growing pains for a first year lineman in the NFL, and that's just what it is. Whether it's Panay Sewell or whoever, mm-hmm. but and so I just caution people to just stop. But you know, like like, like look at I everything. The only thing I didn't like about Jonah, I remember this coming up. 
they was like, he didn't have that nastiness to him. They was like, are you really mean or are you like nice? Like you got to, in the AFC North, you got to go and take the linebacker or the defense alignment's face off. Like I, I shouldn't, and I'm not trying to hate on him or anything, but I remember that being something that they brought up. The other thing about Jonah Dak. I love him because he's smart though. He's smart. The smarter. other thing that worries me about him, the injuries. This is two seasons in a row that he hasn't finished the season. I'm not trying to wish that off on him. Obviously, right. it's totally different injuries. Right. But we can't, like, what if he gets hurt next season? Right. Like, do we have a backup that can come in right. to be that, there for that's him? Why I think, that's why I think having, making it, presenting it to Bob Hart is this, is that, right. okay, Bob, we're about to go get another tackle, but I'm going to give you a shot. You know, mm-hmm. like, and, and even if they don't, even if that's not their real plan, to have Bobby Hart as your swing tackle is probably one of the best swing tackles in the in, in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. We right. just don't like the average fan or even myself. I can't speak for you, but I just don't like him as a starting tackle That's for, for, for me to get a Super Bowl. As but, a backup, but, no. But, but we're talking about a swing tackle. Like, he's probably one of the best swing tackles in all of football, and he'd probably be paid a little bit more than which that person would get paid. But it right. warrants itself if you go get a Panay Sewell and, you know, like, I, I, I just wish that they would keep him as a depth piece or they could figure out a way to keep him there as well, as well as bring back Spain. Um, yeah, but I think from that game, we saw Jesse Bates needs to be the highest paid safety. They cannot play around. If they're going to franchise tag Willow is what I'm hearing inside the building is that he's going to get franchised because even if Zach stays, uh, there's still a little bit of doubt or they don't want to pay him that Byron Jones money is what they're saying, and they want to see it again. But, of course, Willow is going to be sitting there saying, nah, I know my worth. I can go to open market. So what do you do? You franchise him. What Carl Lawson did last night, though, is go get himself paid. And there's not a staff or regime in, in, in all of football that couldn't use him. I don't care if it's three four four three whatever. Carl Lawson can work. And what he's doing against the run in the last five, six weeks, he's like ninth in the NFL as far – I'm sorry, seventh in the NFL or run uh, support. So not only is he getting to the quarterback at an elite level, outplayed T.J. Watt, who is maybe player of the year, there's no argument not to pay him. So base is first, loss is next. If you can't figure out something with William Jackson, um, then, you 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 know, it is what it is. I, I think that they would make a mistake, like you said, like in terms of them. I don't think that you that he would – I think he would be upset with it. But I think that that's not smart because we saw that this season with AJ, right? Like, yeah, you gave him 19 mil, but that's 19 mil that's counting against your cap for that season. Right. You sign Will, let's just say, for instance, the cap per se is 20 million for him to be franchised. You could technically get away with paying him. It's better for you to pay him 18 million per year on, uh, I guess, a three year deal or something like that, where of that 18 million, only 13 might count for that first year. Like you saving money. Like, so for me at a position like that, whether it's corner or whether it's edge rusher, it would be stupid for them to, to, um, to franchise them. To me, I've seen enough of William Jackson. I know yeah, people, I, I, when, I, when, I, when I do my lives though, I, this is what makes me want to talk to people right now is that I think people see like Tredavious white or they'll see like Denzel uh, Ward or somebody like that. Right. And they'll just see like stats and they don't watch a full game. Like, they're in those same positions that William Jackson is where they might get a pass interference here or there or whatever. But you got to understand, they got Miles Garrett up front or the Bills have a top five defense. So everything that's around them is better. 
Carl right. Lawson and William Jackson are pretty much like really on islands, right. like like for real islands, like right. like not not a supporter. They different type of corners. Like, like you got you like had, they on islands. You had your William Jackson the thirds and your Denzel Wars who are more so responsible for shutting those receivers down, right? And then you got your ones that get interceptions. Like right. Marcus Peters, right? right Marcus right. Peters. People see Marcus Peters and they're like, "Oh, he's this and that." He'll he get interceptions, cooked. but he'll get cooked too. He gets cooked. He'll get cooked bad. Right. Like so, I think the Bengals. I think they, you know, depending on what they expect from Trey Wayne's, if they think that he's going to get interceptions, he can be that guy. You have to realize that William Jackson's role is simply shutting down your best receiver, containing them, making sure that they don't go out for a hundred and some yards. And a whole bunch of things. Look, William look, Jackson. Look, look, Landon McLeod says, I've seen William Jackson get cooked hella on double moves. Do you know that William Jackson is rated currently right now seventh in all the corners on PFF? Yeah, in, the, in the last five weeks, his grade is a 90.6, which is top 10 corners in all of the NFL. But somehow, like I said, corner – and offensive line, you make one bad play. I talked to Dre about this one time before. You make yeah. one, you make one bad play. play everybody sees it. It's a when I played, when I played corner in high school, you could be shutting the receiver down, like right. Dre said, the whole game. All it takes is one play. One That's play. All it takes. You don't see the other plays where he's shutting them down. He's cutting his route off. He's right there. The quarterback can't go to him because he's covered. Like you don't see that. But when they make that completed pass, like Zim is saying. That's when you see it. Yeah, it, but so I just want to – I want people, like, we don't have the time sometimes. I know, as you do sometimes with film review. Please check out, like, some of the other shows on on our uh, on our channel, like Matt Minnick with his Chalk Talk. Like, he'll probably go in more depth with, like, William Michael Jackson. Lombardi, outside of – he's right. a – Lombardi, he's a good one. There's some guys that watch whatever, but William Jackson, I promise you, if he's supported with a better defensive front, up front and pass rush and stuff – He's he's the guy. He's straight, and he and he, and he likes being a Bengal. So like, make that happen, Bengals. That's what that's definitely, what I want. definitely make that happen. Like I can't think of any game where somebody has just gotten off on William Jackson the third. And when you go back to last season, you might see some. There were some. He didn't have the greatest season last season. This season, he's killing people. He's shutting them down for sure. I want to ask you this before we close out. Yeah, and, and I kind of I should have asked you this earlier when I was actually about Zach Taylor. So now that Zach has uh, won that game and he hasn't – I'm not moved off of – I'm strong on my stance. I know what Zach Taylor is. He's Dalton 2.0 to me. I feel like uh, Zach Taylor will get you to the playoffs possibly with a mm-hmm. Joe Montana-like quarterback and Joe Burrow, sure. Like not right. hard to do. But right. I don't believe that he'll elevate. He'll ever elevate us to a Super Bowl. Right. Do you, what is the scenario – that somebody could maybe talk you into Zach Taylor coming back next year or not even talk you into what is your dream scenario if Zach Taylor was to stay a head coach? My dream scenario if Zach Taylor was to stay the head coach, I think that you keep Lou. You got to fire Jim Turner. Jim Turner's got to go. I think that that's the first move. Uh, He's got to bring in guys that are going to buy in um, to his system, right? So whether that's Joe Burrow, whether that's getting him weapons and stuff like that, if he can come in here and score 30 to 40 points a game, I don't think anyone would care like what his method or madness is. But I think that that's it. I mean, I think the biggest thing that you can hope for is that he fires Jim Turner um, and make sure that he goes and uh, repairs this line because we all know that it's, it's not the best offensive line. Um, but does that get me inspired or does that give me confidence that 
he's going to be able to contend with the Steelers, Browns, Ravens. No, it doesn't. Um, but I guess that's the most scenario. That's the I, I think if you bring him back, that's the more likely scenario is you hope that Jim Turner is fired from this staff. I, and I, 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 maybe I should have asked Malik this when we were talking to him that day. Malik, I don't know if you're in here, but shout out to Malik Wright. But um, I, I, you could keep, you could get me on board with Lou, and it, and it's not about just beating Pittsburgh this past week. It's his is more so injuries more than anything. Because one thing that I watched on Trey Wayne's before the season started is that his tackling ability is is at an elite level for a corner. So them getting him, Mackenzie Alexander. And now we're saying Von Bell, like, play like how you play. He's Mackenzie Alexander. We have not said that. I've been feeling like re-sign him. He's right. got to be brought back. Right. So so, so those guys right there, I feel like we have the formula, the toughness. They're going to get up on you on the line of scrimmage, going to make sure that we condense the amount of drives that you have is what I'm hoping. And then I can see a path where Lou – like, Lou doesn't call – he's only called two or three bad games that stick out to me. And that's when we took it. We look at the decisions at the end of the second Browns game, right. and then we look at some of the decisions of them going into zone. I think in the Chargers and then in that Colts game or something, we were like, "Why are they just sitting back?" Cowboys um, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, they just everybody sucked in that. I'm, I'm thinking about like games that were actually like yeah, we were. You know, right. Yeah, like so, like Lou. I you could you could. There's an argument for Lou. Like I'm not mad at Lou. Right. You said Jim Turner's got to go. I don't know what Callahan's contract, Brian Callahan's father, or if he yeah, doesn't want that would be major. Or, or, or maybe he doesn't want to work with his father, but getting Bill Callahan as the yeah. offensive line coordinator would would slam dunk. I, I like like that changes everything for me because then I'm able to get proper scouting. I can go get a leap. I could go get my free agent guard that I want. I could go get Whoever I want, I can I can trust my I could trust what he sees. Trust and, what he's gonna pick. It, it, like how I'm talking about, like uh, Etchenberg and and uh, um, he'll know which one to take. That's yeah, what I'm scared of. That, yeah, that's what I'm scared of too. So it's like it changes everything, and and then I feel like I have a clear head and I have a clear plan. We talk about death pieces, like because if they don't do that, I'm saying yeah, we got a Buffalo Bills this thing, and they got to just go get like six eight guys. That are like mid average, whatever. Just see, like, have the same thing they just did with Spain and just see which one comes out the best. If, they, if it's not one of those two scenarios, I don't see how it's going to work. Joe Burrow doesn't really need much. If they had like another, uh, another quarterback type mind as a coach, I think it will work better than Zach Taylor, in my opinion. I think Harbaugh, we, we keep on saying that every week, I think will really work for him. And if you watch college football, please don't pay attention to Harbaugh then. Pay attention to Harbaugh when he had Roman in, in, in the game like that in the, in the NFL. This is probably a pipe dream, and I don't want to extend the show too much. But what about trading for Mike Zimmer? Like, that's rare. It's probably not going to happen, let's but it, it has happened before. Would right, let's you trade, trade let's, the pick for Mike I, Zimmer? I would trade the number three pick for Andy Reid. I would trade I would trade the second, the third round pick or something for Zimmer. I do it. I go, I go that high because it's that important at this time. At this part, like this four window of Burrow, 
People got to stop playing and stop living on hope. I'm talking to you, Mr. Zach Taylor. Give him another year, guy, that's in here watching this right now. If you want to reverse your fortune and you wake up on Monday morning after a Bengals loss, you say, how the hell did we lose that game? Like I used to do for like seven years with Dalton, and then I woke up one day and I said, oh, shit, I got to stop hoping that he wins these games. Like I saw, I saw a take that from a notable Bengals fan that he he's not sold on Mike Zimmer. He was like, oh, he was bad there for a reason. I just feel like the toughness of, of Zimmer or whatever, and then him pairing right. up, even if they kept Brian Callahan there, like which would be really weird or whatever, maybe a little awkward, but just that right there paired up with Zimmer, cool. Let Zim can't work with Lou on the defensive side. Zim get a couple of his guys on defense as a cornerback coach or whatever, and get right. that thing. Like the defense will be humming. The defense love playing for Zimmer when he was here, like, like, the like they tripping because he coached Dion. Like a lot of corners and stuff came here, like Roy Williams, Terrence Newman, all those dudes would come because they wanted to play for Zimmer. Mike, uh, somebody says Mike Zimmer getting fired. No, but if he loses out, he probably would get fired. Is the word? It's a possibility. Yeah, so like he has to win out, and if he doesn't, to me, I've I've had a source, and I tweeted this the other day that there is a mutual interest from Mike Brown and Zimmer. And um, I forget the exact quote, so I don't want to misquote it, but mm-hmm. Mike Brown has a deep affection for – I don't want to make it sound like weird like that. But he has a deep regard for I Mike remember. Zimmer. Or oh, yeah. Zimmer. And, he, and he really, really likes Zimmer to this day. And I think that that's, that, that's a good match. And What if, what and, if it and, was uh, – what if he – what if he fired Lou, brought back Zimmer, and then said, "Go and get Hugh Jackson as offensive coordinator on Zach's staff." Sign me up, and I bet I'll take all bets. I'll talk so much shit. I will walk in the street butt naked. I would jump in this cold ass pond right outside of my house. I would do anything that you guys requested me to do online right now, as long as it's not like some weird stuff or whatever that's going to make me look super questionable online. Other than that, I would do anything that you guys would want. I would request, like I would say, "Let's go." I would I would come on AFC North talk trash to every single person on there because I know that I got something with that and I just know oh my god I don't need all right let let's not talk about hope I just really feel like if they want to if you want to reverse your fortune stop hoping that Zach Taylor is going to write the ship and just go get you a guy that you know is proven that can do it or somebody that's already in a position like a B enemy that's already seen the blueprint on how to do it. Somebody like that. It's different than Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor didn't come from the offensive coordinator right next to McVay, and he's with him step by step. And all these, it wasn't even that type of situation. Bengals right. took a chance, which I don't regret. I like the fact that they took a chance to go outside the building. The problem that they had with Zach Taylor is he's not connected around the league, and they need a guy that's connected like Marvin Lewis was around the league. Right. So he could bring those guys like a Mike Zimmer, Hugh Jackson, and all of that to the natty. But we appreciate you guys for, for sticking it out. Zim, I appreciate you for sticking it out. I know we ran real long here. Um, what you got to say for the people before we get out of here? I ain't got to say nothing, man. Good win. Take that win with you. Put it under your Christmas tree. Tell Santa I said, what's up? We got um, it. I can't. I can't. I can't. I don't care if YouTube going to copyright this or not. Gotta let it go. You gotta let it go. Let's go. Hey, on repeat all this week. Hey. What's up, Juju?
Hello world, what separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, I never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school.